Hi, I'm Jason. And I'm Paul. And this is the Hi-Fi Sci-Fi Podcast. This week we're going to be talking about uh, Season 1, Episode 11, The Big Goodbye. And we get in this episode a name drop and a name check of the episode a little bit later. Uh, That'll be fun to revisit. Uh, Paul, this week, uh, Abby had so much fun when she recorded uh, the last episode with us that she is back. Abby, welcome back. Hello. Thank you. And uh, a very different episode this time uh, than the episode we talked about the last time. (laughs) <laughs> you missed the big joke that we could have made about the big hello, you know. Ah. Oh. We not open it. <laughs> oh. We've missed it all. Yeah. <laughs> we could redo it. I wouldn't Stop. I wouldn't say we missed it. I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't say we missed it. Um So this episode is um there's a lot to get to, but I mean really there's not a lot of of plot to go back over because it's um it's a really basic character piece because this is this is a prototype episode, in my opinion. Like, I was thinking about this as I was watching it. This is the genesis of the holodeck episode, which mm-hmm. becomes ubiquitous in Star Trek. Like, from this point on, uh, TNG has holodeck episodes. Deep Space Nine has holodeck episodes. Uh, Voyager has quite a few different holodeck episodes. They have a episodes. million holodeck episodes. <laughs> that <laughs> thing is always breaking. On Voyager. <laughs> well, it runs, you know, pretty much around the clock to do the Doctor, so. Yes, exactly. No, he has this. No, he does. Well, that's, that's, that is untrue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He that's has right. that. Right, right. He gets that sh- um, that armband at some point where he has a, a specific thing that makes him work eventually. Yes. That's a piece Science. of uh, 29th yeah. century technology yeah, yeah, or something. from the time yeah, trip. Yeah, sure. Weird yep. episode, too. Yeah. So, but, but, yeah. so... Uh, for those of you who are, are new to Trek, your, your head might be spinning a little bit, but for those of you who are lifelong <laughs> Trekkies, you're going, yep, uh-huh, nope, get it, uh, I'm there with you. But up to this point, we've seen actually very little of the holodeck. We saw it in the pilot, and they made some passing references to it and, and what it's capable of doing. <laughs> um, and I thought we it was... Saw it, we saw it in Code of Honor, don't forget. We did see it in Code of Honor. <laughs> we, we saw it do amazing things in, in Code of Honor, like create like people. Three people. um but this time we we get a um a real clear sense of of what it's really capable of doing and what i what i found interesting in this episode is right away um the enterprise has this is kind of the bread and butter boring like run-of-the-mill diplomatic like starfleet work is is the mission that that the enterprise is on it's it's not even really fair to call that a b plot because it's just so minor it's set dressing yeah it really is. It's framing. I, I kept going back, going, "Why are we going back to this?" I'm really, I don't care about these people and their dialect that no one can say. Right. <laughs> I mean, and, and you can sum it up into into one sentence. It's so trivial. It's uh, bug people who want you to say hello properly. Um, yeah. And that's that's it. Well, well, so we have to talk about. Let's just get this out of the way right up front. Okay. Right. Let's talk about the weird bug people language. Um, then we can talk about the rest of the episode, right? There's not much to it. There's no meat on his bone. Like, it's the the premise, right? And he's sitting there and saying, like, oh, if there's like an umlaut, you after a T, then it becomes a Z, or if like the B has an underline in it, then it's actually a Q. Yeah, I was like, like why oh. aren't they writing this out phonetically? Yeah. Why does? It- <laughs> like, do you have a computer that you could feed these rules into, and then mm-hmm. it'll just be like, oh, this word looks really weird. You just pronounce it Charlie or something, like. It's all rule based. It's not weird. Uh, so, 
that that uh, that stuck with me. <laughs> but again, this is kind of just set dressing. This isn't important. This isn't a like you said. This isn't even a B plot. Yeah, and it's essentially I got to thinking about this. Um, just you know, why is it even in there? And I think really it's there to draw. Uh, to, to give the captain an excuse to get away because I think they do a pretty nice job of making this so mind-numbingly boring even from the character's perspective that it's like uh, just I don't even want to it's like studying for a test when you were back in college in a class that you knew you were gonna you know maybe tank um, and eventually you can only prepare so much and then you're like I gotta I gotta go do something else I gotta go do literally anything else um, and the captain chooses to to escape, and, and that's. I mean, you're right, Paul. That's that's pretty much it. It's um, yeah, that's 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 the whole shebang on that one. That's it. Um, yeah. So, episode wrap. Well, they All right. do it to get Good a little talking. bit of urgency, but at the same time, I'm like, why do you need that urgency? If I'm stuck in the holodeck, I'm not happy about being stuck in the holodeck where guns work. Apparently, <laughs> I want to get out of it. Yeah. So the urgency that oh, we have to get back the bridge so that I can say these hello words to the bug people <laughs> seems a little superfluous. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> to, to back it up a little bit, so like the the uh, the holodeck, they go in, they're reliving a Dixon Hill story, which is also really fun because Dixon Hill is something that, that persists throughout the series. It's oh, actually it so it's, yeah, this is their, their laying the groundwork for it. So. Um, <laughs> And so they go, they do this story, uh, they bring some, Picard brings a few people in, the uh, the holodeck malfunctions, <laughs> like it always does in a holodeck episode, but again, this is the first, uh, and the the holodeck is actually killing people, um, which is a thing that it's not supposed to be able to do, um, and they realize, oh god, we have to get out of here. So the rest of the story is, is variations on that theme, but Abby, you, you're very right, like you hit upon that point that if they put this extra mission out there to create urgency, it doesn't really work on either side. Because when you said that, I was like, well, maybe they put that, maybe they put, oh, the captain has to get out of here to deliver his address to the bug people to put pressure on the crew who's not trapped in the holodeck. But even then, it's like the captain and everyone in there could die. That's urgency enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I'm like, this is life or death situation. <laughs> so I, 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 this one, this one's weird because looking back, this this wasn't one of my favorite episodes, and I, I feel like I'm going to come in and defend a lot of the parts of this, even this weird bug people um, side dressing. Like, so it's interesting because they they I think it's all about contrast, right? That um, you have Riker out there, and Riker never smiles really this whole episode Riker's dealing with the bug people it's like where's the captain things are going wrong all these problems um, to contrast with the other side of this that inside the holodeck they're they're ostensibly there for fun um, and even like the actors sort of get it. it it's almost like this weird joke that uh, Crusher and Gates McFadden smiles in a lot of scenes where she shouldn't be oh huh. yeah when they're like being held at gunpoint and so yes. like every time every time something like that happens they all look really excited about it yes. and when she comes in for the first time and they're in the police station she's like i want to be interrogated yeah and i'm mm-hmm. like really mm-hmm. so there's this weird I, I think they they contrast it really well with this weird side plot um they also do use it occasionally in places um to push along that that holodeck story so the holodeck malfunction isn't just the normal run-of-the-mill oh like we were trying to load a new program or something or blah 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 it's the scan from the bug people ship 
that like makes the ship shake and stuff and does weird stuff to the computers, and then you see it screen with the holodeck. Um, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're talking about the bug people more than I thought we were, but this yeah, brings actually. up a really good point that those bug people are kind of jerks. Like, yeah, I, yeah. They really are. <laughs> yeah. But they get every single piece out of this bug storyline that they can. They're like, oh, the holodeck needs to malfunction. What yeah. could it be? I'm like, hey, we have these bug people over here. Let's let's get a little bit more blood out of that stone. Yeah. Uh, but at least they're trying, which is... I think actually I'm I'm actually coming around to your side Paul I actually am like actually you know now now the bug people are okay I'm okay with it a little bit more than I was it's, <laughs> it gives us enough of a story to bounce back and forth between you know that that really what's happening is in the holodeck with Picard with data with crusher with Waylon we can talk about Waylon later yeah um but it gives the us shirtiest of red shirts. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you don't bring in somebody like Waylon and then yeah. expect him to stick <laughs> around. Try to kill him. <laughs> so, so all that said, let's talk about the bug people a little more. <laughs> really, we just said that we we got more bug people than we well, thought we would get. So I, so it's interesting though because again, they're they're using this. I think they're actually. It's it's almost to the level of parodying themselves, right? They're they're hanging their hat on so many of these things that they've done before, right? In um in the last outpost, a horrible episode, they go to the lengths of like, oh, hey, can we see you on view screen? And they're like, we always usually don't do that, and it's weird. And on this one, Riker says like he does the same thing. He's like, hey, can we like see ya? And they're like, no, we don't have a costume design for this race. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a, they, Actually, they ran out of money. I did look that up. But it's curious. perfect. It fits so <laughs> perfect with this, like, hey, this isn't even the story. Like, this is just Riker talking to something. It's not the thing you should be attention to. Uh, and that works. It works in a really weird way that um, might have been a happenstance. might have been that they ran out of costuming budget. But the fact that they don't try... Um, is better here than if they had tried to put together a mythology or some other race that is um, that they then have to do set design and, and costume design and all of this. They just said, "Oh well, who cares? We're in the holodeck," right? Yeah. And, and they're, they're doing that at every level of this story. Which, it's sort of the brilliance by doing without uh, yeah. <laughs> philosophy because they don't need to see these aliens. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's no reason. Yeah, and um. The uh, th- this episode, I, I mean, I think you know. Again, we we've said it. It sort of it's it's the blueprint because it, uh, you know, it's really all about this holodeck. So much so that the th- the other thing that that I got a real charge out of was, um, I don't know if you guys picked up on the fact that they said you know the holodeck has just been upgraded. Like, woo, yeah, you know, yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's like you're a kid and you've got an N64 and you get the red memory pack and you can play Perfect Dark Zero with better graphics. Whoa, man, this is amazing. You said N64 and I thought, man, this will be the perfect place to put in a joke about the red memory pack. And then you stole that joke that I had stolen <laughs> from in the future. So mm-hmm. well, well played. I'm a, I'm a Betazoid and we've done enough <laughs> podcasts together that I can read your mind directly uh, at this point. Um, <laughs> Steal my jokes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but what I what I really liked is I, I would describe this entire episode if I had to pick one word it's kind of cute yeah. um just oh, yeah. just as a whole because uh Picard when he's describing the holodeck after getting his first like trip there oh my god oh man <laughs> that's right sounds smells you make it sound so real well that's how it felt incredible well I'm uh, I'm going to go again 
Only this time, I'm going to dress the part. The sense of reality was absolutely incredible. When that woman kissed me, it was so... Exciting? Real. The purpose of this meeting is to discuss the Haradon rendezvous. He's totes adorbs. He tells senior staff about it. Like, it's, like is he, he gets so excited. And I was like, okay, the holodeck's been there. Yeah. You, you, we've seen it. We haven't seen a lot of it, but we've seen it. And he's talking about it like it's completely new technology. Just the fact where he's interrupting a senior staff meeting <laughs> to talk about it. They're like, hey, what about the bugs? And he's like, hold on. There's like people. <laughs> I have to tell you about this. People there were, without a soul. Streets. I felt like Little Mermaid. It was ridiculous. Oh, Little man. Mermaid. Nice. Nice. Uh. <laughs> yeah, when he didn't, the, the the one thing that I did notice about that conversation is, yeah, he was giddy. He was like, oh, oh, you know, then there was this and there was this. But the fact that he didn't know that they were city blocks, I'm like, listen, that's yeah, not a that 20th century is, thing. I have the note. I have a note about that. And I was like, they don't have city blocks in the future. There's <laughs> a lot of weird <laughs> like, things that are like. Starfleet's in San Francisco. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of weird, like Crusher, somebody gives her a stick of gum. And she just eats oh, yeah, it. And she swallows it. <laughs> like, really? And she doesn't know how to put on makeup. Like, she's uh-huh. watching the hooker in the police station. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> when, uh. when she swallows the gum, that's when I went, listen, it's the 24th <laughs> century. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, if it had been Worf, sure. Yep. Data, yeah. even better. Yeah, yep. even better. Honestly, if Data... Pressure? No. Yeah, no, it was... It was, although Crusher in this episode, I was kind of concerned about her in general because, like, first of all, she was so excited about she could, can I be interrogated too, and then trying to look like the hooker in the police station. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She was she was really getting into character. I was convinced that was. that in that episode, she was really trying to get into character, but wasn't quite sure what her character was. Yes, that's very. Yeah, that's about that's about right. And and she was really really upset that Waylon and Data were there. Yeah, yeah. Her face when the card asked her to come, she's like, "Sure, that'd be great." Wink, wink. And then he's like, "We should bring Waylon." And Data's like, "Can I come too?" And he's like, "Yes, of course you can." Yeah. Let's be fair. <laughs> Nobody wants Waylon to be there. Right. No. Right. There's a reason he got shot first, and that's. Oh yeah. And and like I mean, really, this episode. Um, it's such a character piece that it's really hard to break apart the plot because it's just it's really they go in the holodeck it breaks they find out it's broken because Waylon gets shot and then they have a standoff and that's and it's and it resolves as soon as the holodeck gets fixed that's the plot in its entirety and it's it's kind of nice to see because this is an episode you wouldn't see in the first half of season one because they're they almost had to get to this point they almost had mm-hmm. to get mm-hmm. characters established enough so that they could do a character episode and what's nice is you get all sorts of little character beads from uh, from Picard from Data and from Crusher because we spend the most oh, time yeah. with them there's um, even good Jordy in there though yeah there's a little bit of Jordy that's and true Wes is in there too yeah. Wes yep. and his you read all the <laughs> I, I I immediately like I, I latched on to that line where he he's like well I read all the manuals I was like that's I mean for a, he, okay I guess but 
like that didn't do a good job of like selling why he should be there. Like I, 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 I was just it was a yeah, weird no. thing for me or because why? I mean, I get let him come along. His mom's in there. He's worried. That's fine. But why Data or why Jordy wasn't like Wes? Let me do this. Yeah, you can stand here and hand me things. Yep, because you're a child. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, Jordy yeah. was was. Uh, I will give him all the credit in the world. He was exceedingly patient with him. He was. He really was. <laughs> it's like, was. Wes, we got to look at every millimeter. Yeah. like that. Yeah, because he, at one point, he's like, Wes, you know, you got to slow down or you'll you'll go right past something, you know. And, so the and, question is, what is he looking into? Because the first time I was like, is that, is he like looking into the holodeck? It's like, no, well, I guess he's looking at a readout, right? or something. I, I has, yeah, like, that's well, all I, I guess, think. Maybe he's looking at a monitor or something. Well, I think what they were trying to imply is that there's those goofy goggles that he's looking into. Yeah. Um, and it did That's kind of put off that peep show vibe a little bit. Like, yeah, he's, mm-hmm. but he's, I don't think he's looking into the holodeck. I think he's literally, um, because at this point, the thing that I always have to remind myself of is that in 1987, when this would have aired, the familiarity with technology amongst the average television viewing audience is so low. I mean, just just yeah. turbo low. So I think what he's literally looking at are whatever those goofy circuits are, like yeah. on the wall. Like, yeah, that's that's all I could think that he was doing. And, and and there's the reference to that, you know, going over every millimeter. But I just kept thinking, like, you know, well, that's not how computers work. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, maybe these <laughs> well, are future there's, computers. There's maybe. other things worried about that science. Like he's like, if I do something wrong, they could all disappear. And I'm like, not actually. Yeah. Not if they're. I'm like, if they're in a program and you stop the program and delete it. The people aren't going to be deleted. Yes. <laughs> okay. So here's a few more questions. Okay. Although first, well, I, yeah. The lipstick, that's part of the holodeck, right? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. So when he leaves the holodeck, that should disappear. Yep. Yep. Well, um, but, you can, but the holodeck, and I don't, I don't think they've established it yet, but they do down the line where they do make, like, it, it does have a replicator, so it can't, you can't eat things in the holodeck. Well, and this, this things came like up in, that, so, I mean... This came up in the first episode lipstick? where, like, Data fell in a river or something, yep. and it's like, should he be wet when he comes out? Same issue. Yeah. Um, there's also a continuity error, though, on the lipstick. Um, well, it's much, much redder when well, he goes... Well, it's also on the wrong step. lip. When he gets kissed, it's on the bottom lip. When he comes out, it's on the top left. Nice. Yep. So there's my nerd moment of the first 11 episodes. <laughs> so let's let's address this elephant in the room, which is the holodeck. Um, it's, <clears throat> I think it works in this episode more than it has in episodes in the past because um, they're trying to establish ground rules about the holodeck, which is something they haven't really done much of in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think they're they're getting they're getting closer to where they need to be. Um, but you're right. They're still playing really kind of loosey goosey with this in terms of how it works. Um, and they basically, you know, to people who don't read technical manuals, it doesn't matter. It's 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 magic by way of technology. Mm-hmm. But for people like us and people who are listening to a Star Trek podcast, welcome one of us, one of us, one of us. <laughs> um, it, it does matter, and, and I think where they where they wind up with it is. Um, it's it's a lot further away from from where they start. Basically, here it's still almost all transporter based, right? Well, and and I, the the trick becomes that I think what we're what we're looking for, what we're describing, is that we want some sort of consistent rule set. Yes. Um, because the same thing that happens is what happened in Lonely Among Us, where 
it's just like oh whoa 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 did they just clone Picard with the teleporter like <laughs> I don't think you could do that with teleporters like we need some ground rules you can't just clone people with the teleporter right yep so it's that same sort of idea that like I get it they're they're, they're figuring it out and they figured it out pretty quickly to be fair here with mm-hmm. the yeah they back. do mm-hmm. um, and the mistakes they're making are, are are small and trivial and in a filler episode which is really where they need to be yep um, and. You know, they're going to get there. But right now, it's not a super consistent rule set. No. So, yeah. At, at the end but of- it, is, it is the first holodeck episode. Yes. It's yes. the mm-hmm. first one ever. So well, they, and they touched on it in the pilot, but this is the first. Yeah, no, but this, this is, is the first, the first ep- bottle episode. Uh, this is the first holodeck yes, bottle episode. Yes. yes. Yep. And they do, they do one important thing to try to start laying those ground rules, and it's right at the end of the episode. Um and, and we'll talk about how the the episode resolves itself here in a little bit, but but specifically, I guess there's a, there's a point in the end of the episode where two fictitious characters created by the holodeck decide they're going to walk out of the holodeck and onto the ship, and they don't last very long, and they just kind of dissolve. No, they turn into tornadoes. <laughs> they, they, they do turn it. it, it they looked almost yeah. like that fifth grade science experiment. Well, that you, and I'm just like I, I give it, am a, a, on the the path of where they should. Once they walk out the door, they shouldn't be there anymore at all yeah. because the reflectors yeah. are gone. Yep. Like I, they shouldn't even make it to the hallway. Yes. Yeah. And, and, or, or be forming coherent thoughts and actions while they're yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but again, again, it, it sort of like, like we could we could make these critiques. I'm making these critiques. I'm not I'm not critiquing the critique. Um, it starts to feel nitpicky, right? It's like, well, you know, they're trying. Yeah. <laughs> they're trying to do it. Because I wrote down, too, it's like, they shouldn't get to the hallway. Most of what happens in this episode pretty much works. There's yeah. a, there's oh, a I, few... I so. Yeah, there's a few things that you can nitpick. And I'll even argue, too, that, that um, the Star Trek fan base, and probably this era of Star Trek, is where fans start to get nitpicky about that kind of stuff. Because yeah. the original series is is actually filled with all sorts of weird continuity oh my issues. God, yes. um, so to have a series that you know now we almost take for granted that through the next generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, those three shows spanned roughly fifteen to twenty years of actual real time fictitious uh, you know storylines, and by and large actually played pretty well with their own internal continuity. Things that happened within the universe. Yeah impacted the other shows appropriately enough within the universe Mm -hmm. rules that were made for pieces of technology were adhered across the board um characters motivations uh fictitious governments people like the the sense of world building that that eventually happens within star trek is is pretty amazing and pretty epic in scale oh absolutely and especially and especially an improvement from tos where they couldn't remember what happened the week before (laughs) right exactly (laughs) (laughs) at least here they're like oh yeah remember that time when the ferengi first showed up yeah i remember that that was two weeks ago so i mean there is (laughs) there is that kind of continuity that starts to happen which is great i like the deep continuity here in this episode of the you know, spoiler alert: Waylon and the Harada—they're they're, going to be back for the the series finale in a few years. So just f- file them away. <laughs> that's it's super important characters. That's, uh, that's not at all true. That's uh, don't, don't don't hold your breath or, or wait for that one. I just I oh, uh, would be holding their breath for Waylon. <laughs> sitting there like, man, I hope he comes back. If you feel bad about you know waiting for Waylon, that's okay. Hashtag waiting for Waylon. It's fine. Oh, man. You you can you can wait. It's uh, oh man, I hope one person uses that. <laughs> but but what i was what i was getting to is that um you know we 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 do almost take all that continuity for granted and here 
you can almost argue that later on this will get mined for bigger ideas because there's a point at the end of the episode where he has a card is about ready to leave the holodeck it's right after the 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 resolution has happened and and the two characters turn into tornadoes as we talked about earlier uh picard's about ready to go back to the bridge do the thing with the bug aliens uh (laughs) and and you know bring this thing to a close but he turns to the cop character in the holodeck and and he asks a really interesting question because i wrote this down and i'm like what a mind job at that point yeah but he asks what what's going to happen when Picard turns it off, right? Because Picard goes to great lengths to actually explain what's really going on here to these fictitious holodeck characters who then yeah. become aware of the fact that they're they're in a holodeck. holodeck. Yeah, this felt way too self-aware for it holodeck did. characters. Yeah. I right? agree. Like it felt like a big jump at this point. And it it's did. in the right direction. It's like, man, they have some good ideas. Yeah, mm-hmm. but at the same time I was I was still like why are we having this conversation now and why are they why is he so self-aware i'm like is it only so someone could say i best i guess this is the big goodbye because <laughs> oh, it, you did. it felt like it like, it, was a, it is a great question but i don't i don't know that that was the right place to ask it let's be honest when jason started uh, this this line we all thought who's going to be the first one to say the title of the episode <laughs> you got there first so it's like, win. that's off dude it's playing the big goodbye chicken at this point who's gonna yeah who's gonna well, get there like first? Jason clearly couldn't take it first without letting anybody talk but could somebody else wedge it in there and mm-hmm. I feel like that's exactly what the readers it, were though. thinking they're, yeah. they're playing this episode plays with noir tro- no, yeah noir tropes there I can say it I promise um, that's it, part of the point of the episode is is it's it's an homage in it, 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 it and in noir, that's that happens. I yep. Mean, yep. <laughs> yep. They, it's it's what they do. It's it is. It's a it's solid. Femme, it's, yeah, it's the femme fatale, and it's the private dick, and it's you know San Francisco. <laughs> now, mm-hmm. Let's not forget that it's not the end of the episode because bug people, right? Right. right. <laughs> well, before we get to the you know, Paul, you're all about the bug people. I mean, I think I think we haven't talked about Dixon Hill at all. Yeah, and, actually, and, I think that's the first time we've said Dixon Hill, haven't we? <laughs> no, we mentioned it earlier. But but the um, have you guys been watching this on? Um, I guess Netflix has not quite all of them, but they have most of them. The, the, yeah, they have in, all the, of them. I've been watching it on Netflix. Well, yeah. I mean in HD. In HD, I think they're all. In oh HD. yeah, I don't know yeah. about it. But season one, uh, the HD treatment. Um, I, I was actually particularly struck when they walked into um, the holodeck. There's that scene when they go back when they're all dressed up, dressed to the nines, and Picard. You know, he's dressed appropriately now. He's got a suit and tie on. Uh, Data's there. Wayland's there. Um, Crusher's going to join him later. But it's when the door opens and they go, they walk into the the street, yeah. the busy street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The shot there, for whatever reason, especially on the HD version, looks really good. Like yeah. whoever was on point with with cinematography there, the the way that it's that it's lit, uh, the way that the contrast, it, it's just it's hyper vivid and it's almost it's so like uh, photorealistic that it almost feels too real and unreal, and it feels very much like what a souped up computer simulation of 1940s San Francisco Earth would be, and and that shot to me did a lot of, of work to actually sell this whole yeah. premise. Absolutely. That I, Although I will say I, I like I love the, the the all the all the colors. It looks gorgeous. However, I found myself watching this going, I really wish this was in black and white. 
right? I really, yeah. really wish it was. And I want, and I made this note that I'm like, I really wish this was this, at least the holodeck parts were in black and white because it would make me so happy because the mm-hmm. noir stuff just, I love it so much. Oh man! And then I looked, I was looking up the episode on Wikipedia, and I read that the writer and director both wanted to shoot it in black and white, and the producer said no. Oh wow! And I was like, no, it would have <sighs> been so great. The but, trick, man, would that have been? Awesome. Well, yes. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I'll play the producer, right? I'll try to come up with a reason. Um, Right. Like, it's almost a bridge too far, right? It's like, okay, we're going in there. We're doing this. We're basically doing a time travel episode, right? We haven't even touched on that. Star Trek loves their time travel episodes. And this is basically it. This is time travel light. Um, And we're doing all this other stuff. It's like, now, you could shoot it in black and white and just pretend and be like, well, I guess that's what you're seeing. Or in keeping with the Star Trek universe, you'd have to do something. Like Picard would have to say in his thing about like 1947, blah, 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 blah. You'd have to be like, oh, and can it be in black and white or something? And then you'd be like, well, obviously it could, right? Not a problem. But is that just one step too far? No, it's not. You know, that's a it's a tough call to make because um, television audiences of the time um, were were not quite as sophisticated uh, as they are today. And if you time jump, uh, you know, with with Star Trek the series, this that is a premise that actually gets done in in Star yeah, Trek Voyager. Voyager. Yeah. yeah, they do it in Voyager for Captain Proton, but yep. I, and yeah, but still, this would have been so good. And I know, and I, I agree. I actually understand why they did it this way in the '80s, and that makes complete. It makes complete sense. It's just more of my my nerd heart going. But I really would like it. You know, you know the issue that this uncovers. Why can't I just turn my TV to black and white? Ooh, yeah. Get on it, uh, mm. Netflix company or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anybody listening right now? Samsung, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, Vizio, uh, I, LG. You just wants to make Vizio me this episode with the, the, firmware with the firmware. holodeck parts in black and white. That'd be great. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. it's. Um, I think also maybe the other reason that they didn't go with black and white was um, if the script was calling for Picard to marvel at how realistic uh, everything yeah, was, it sure. does sort of steal from from that. That would that break point. it a little bit. A little That's, bit, but they could have changed it. People bleed a lot too. People bleed bleed all over. Yeah. And it's bright red, so, you know. <laughs> that's, how, that's how we know Wayland's been shot. <laughs> well, I think, like, Picard gets punched, and it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's like his... That's true, he does eating a ton. An absurd and amount of blood comes from he hits another leg. person, and, like, his forehead's covered in blood. And it's like, man, people just bleed all over this hall deck. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah the, um, <clears throat> the, the, I mean, the malfunction happens. We, we hinted at this, the Haradan probe basically causes a malfunction in the holodeck um they, they don't say the word safety protocols which yeah. becomes yeah. Th- that becomes the thing so like later when they'll do this you'll probably hear them reference eventually it will come up that the safety protocols are not functioning yep. that's the thing that always happens when you're in deep crap in the holodeck um <laughs> <laughs> because those are the things that remind the holodeck that the bullets aren't real um so essentially well, you it's know, also the case the doors aren't functioning <laughs> which, right. which was deeper problem. Yeah, yeah, because you you can't get out. Which I also did. Anybody when they were watching, uh, when they were watching this episode, and Crusher walks through the doors, which are doing the chompy chomp oh, thing. Man. Yeah. Did anyone else be like, maybe I'd turn around? 
Yeah, yes, yes. I'd be like, maybe I should go get someone to fix this. Well, it was very <laughs> much the gag. It was the gag of like, oh, hold on, I'm going to unlock the door and like, no, take, take your hand off it. No, d- whoop, d- d- doing it now. Like, stop, stop doing that. She just kept like walking forward and the door was like, whoop, I'm closed now. No, no, no. Oh, wait, I thought you weren't going in. It's like, it's another one of these things where they're just like tipping their hat, I think, and having fun with it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's and and, it's a fun episode. It really is. And it's um it's an episode that I think is is embracing that um much more so than I mean, I'm trying to think of all the episodes that we've watched up to this point, have any of them tried to be this kind of silly with things? I I don't I mean, there's been humor in some of them, but I don't think a lot of them have been this overall light in terms of no. what how they're dealing no. with things. Cuz even think, though even though somebody gets shot there's still just so much like uh, we're we're play acting, we're having fun, yeah. you know. Yeah, the humor they've had has always sort of failed, right? Yeah. yeah, it hasn't done well up to this point. And whether it's weird or not, I thought it was. I did laugh out loud when Crusher swallowed the gum. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I agree. It's like she should, and 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 maybe it's a dissection of humor, right? It's funny because she shouldn't be doing it, right? Like. And I guess it would be funny for Data because Data also should probably have figured out that gum exists, right? right. Um, but it would be a Dataism. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But uh, you know, we we referenced this earlier too. Everybody's standing around and grinning a lot. Oh yeah. And I think I think that does for me. That's why I, I said the word cute earlier, and why this episode is oh, it's just so darn cute because this is still the characters discovering the holodeck and I think the the way that they were able to hand wave away and say that oh like well it's you know they don't know enough about the holodeck is because they referenced the recent upgrades right and I think they mm-hmm. use that mm-hmm. mechanism to talk about I think they're throwing the holodeck out there as this really cutting edge piece of technology at this point in, in the Star Trek universe which I think does give them a little bit of leeway to just kind of play around with it because it's it's constantly changing well it's a sandbox in in one of the purest senses of the word right that mm-hmm. they can just go in there and do whatever they want and build whatever they want mm-hmm. and, and here they've built um you know this this noir story which you know. well but they've built it based on novels supposedly and this this yes. is the only thing that bothered me a little bit <laughs> about their pure joy and excitement about the holodeck and this program specifically was that Picard talks about how he's read Dixon Hill since he was a kid mm-hmm. and yet he seems surprised and and finds some of the characters like they'd be recurring if it was this kind of detective story there would be the recurring character of like the Peter Lorre wannabe you know guy he would have been in there a couple of times like he would have been a familiar character well, to and, Picard and, and, and it, it, and he seems confused by these characters. And it opens a really good question of, is this a extant story in that universe? Or is this something new? And everything everything that's sold here is that, oh, it's just, you know, an extant story. And Waylon has uh, one of his worst lines that, like, oh, that woman got murdered. And he's like, yeah, she's just like she's just like um, words on a page or something along those yeah. lines and it's like oh I hate you Waylon <laughs> but, <laughs> I wish somebody would shoot you Waylon yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but they're painting it as if it is an excellent story and then they show data reading all of it reading all of it in yeah. case you missed the part where Picard said he read all of it 
So it's yeah, exactly to your point. Like, should any of this be new or surprising? Yeah, yeah. and that's that's the problem I had. That's the only real problem, and, and it's not a huge problem, honestly, because maybe it is just they said it in the world, and they kind of put in the stock characters, <laughs> and that's acceptable to me if I think about it that way. And but the, yeah, the other thought that I had too was that I think uh, they they have a hard time conveying this, but I I did have this thought when I was watching it. If these are novels that he's read that he's been familiar with. Um, he probably is just having a hard time catching up because you read a you read a novel, you have a visualization of a character in your head. But how many times have we watched trailers for movies or seen you know visual representations of characters we're only familiar with in books, and then gone, oh, that's who that is? Like that's not at all how I pictured them. Because um, the holodeck is actually putting faces to these people that he's at this point only read about. So. I think some of that's a little forgivable because a lot of the first introductions with certain characters are just him going, oh, that's that guy. Okay, got it. You know? Yeah. Yes? No? Maybe? Yeah. yeah. I, I thought it was, I mean, they do make an interesting, right, this is a this is a a false <laughs> like story, a uh, set of stories created from whole cloth for this episode and then sort of set to be 20th century almost to the degree that uh, you know, on a first watching, you might be convinced that these are books that actually exist, right? Well, and you kind of wonder why they didn't just use Philip Marlowe or Stan Spade. Like, you wonder why they, I mean, I guess, I was trying to think about it. Like, in the in 87, would Philip Marlowe and Sam Spade have been in public domain? Um, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. And I wasn't quite sure. So I was like, maybe they just made the Dixon Hill stand in because it wasn't quite in public domain yet. I'm not sure. Right. I, I'm sure the answer is almost always if they would have had to pay money for it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, at the same time, it does create something new in the same sort of way that we were just discussing, right? That this story is new to Picard, um, the same way it's new to everyone, um, because yeah. they did just make this up and then backfill it, um, as opposed to just being like, oh, we're making the Maltese Falcon or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'd be like, oh, I know this story, or, or it takes some of that suspense away. Yep. Yep. And it does also give them a character that um, a fictional character in a fictional setting inside of a fictional universe, it does give them more freedom. I mean, at this point, Dixon Hill could have done anything they want him to do because yeah. it's it's their creation. It's a little bit more liberating because eventually, you know, when, when we explore Data's fascination with a, a actual existing fictitious character within our universe, Sherlock Holmes, um, you know, you've got to do Moriarty. You've got to do uh, at least a few of these things that are part of the Sherlock Holmes universe because it's it's established fiction. Whereas Dixon Hill, whenever they bring it up, they can put however many characters in that that they want to mm-hmm. um, because it's all made up. Yeah, they could just backfill the universe and be like, yeah, that was in that book. Yep. Yeah, there were there were 47 Dixon Hill novels. How about that? You know, something like that. <laughs> well, you bring up an interesting point with um, Data and Sherlock Holmes because they even plant the seeds of that here. Mm-hmm. Right? They do. He has a conversation with Jordy, and he talks about Sherlock Holmes and the differences between Sherlock Holmes and Dixon yeah. Hill. And it's like, man, they're just there's a lot of seeds being planted in what is ostensibly a filler episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. There's, um, yeah, there's so much going on though. And, and so I think we've talked pretty much everything about the resolution of the episode that that's important. I mean, we don't need to yeah. to, to browbeat you know all of the pro- the plot points, but. They get it resolved. They get everybody out. Picard delivers that line, and that line is so—it's <sighs> so hard to listen to. We actually we had the clip of that 
in our first ever preview to our podcast as a mm-hmm. reference to <laughs> things that are awkward <laughs> about season one. Well, so, okay, let me talk about the bug, bug people again. Um, <laughs> the, Paul, uh, so, he's not telling you this, but Paul actually goes to Star Trek conventions dressed <laughs> as a Haradan. Uh, there's no... <laughs> Reference photos to draw from? You you can't see. Yeah, that's true, right? It's whole cloth. You can create that universe. (laughs) Um, No, so this is another one of those places where they're hanging their hat on the fact that this is the throwaway parts of the episode that was just an intro, outro. And even to the point that Picard comes to the bridge in a suit and tie. (laughs) And hat. And a hat. Takes Mm -hmm. a coat off, throws it on the ground, and is like, blah, blah, blah. Here's these stupid lines, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, sits down, or I forget if he even sits down, but he basically just walks away. He, like, the, the, the bug people are like, oh, that was good. And then he doesn't even say, like, oh, should we talk more? He's just like, no, you just you're, you're gone. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's, uh, it reminds me of a Futurama joke, um, one of the episodes where they're on a planet and they're interacting. It's a Kiff episode, but one of the characters says like <laughs> you know I don't need to interact with you anymore but I live here so I'll still be here but you don't have to pay attention to me it's the <laughs> same sort of idea uh, of the joke that I just butchered but it's like, it's like oh yeah those bug people they're not important yep. <laughs> and the, the crew claps for the thing and it's just like let's have a conversation here bug people what bug people like I, I think yeah. we're done with that oh, and then th- Data comes in and does his impression yeah. <laughs> again it's like, oh yeah, we didn't have anything to do with the bug people here. Yep. And it's it's that weird sense of man, I'm glad they didn't make this a B story or or an A story. Yeah. The the, the bug people are just there as as purely window dressing. Yeah. It's great book though. It's purely a plot point. Yeah. Yep. And as much yeah, and as much as Riker has been stressing about it, Picard just comes in and is like, Ugh, whatever, I have to deal with this, right? <laughs> that is the one thing that I thought was uh, it was a nice moment actually for Picard is that um, you know they've been talking about how how stressful it is and they're they're the, uh, even so much so that Data was was you know a nice Data moment in the briefing was talking about like should we watch that video again and everybody's <laughs> like no no cut, no because uh-uh. they reference <laughs> the horrible reaction from these bug people when the last planet or when the when the last captain screwed yeah. up the the line right. Um, and then Picard, at the very end of the episode, after just getting out of a situation where a dude he brings into the holodeck with him gets shot, uh, <laughs> he's literally held up by fictitious characters, has to explain to them what the real universe is. They walk out, disappear. He just literally walks away from that situation, walks onto the bridge, says that ridiculous line of stuff, and is like, okay, I'll be in my ready room. You know, like that's, and it's kind of one of those moments where you're like, okay, Captain Picard really has his this metaphorical you know crap together uh <laughs> yeah. that he just comes in handles it like a boss and is just like you know hold my calls i'll be in my ready room and again it's all about contrast right this episode again it, it uses the bug people for contrast that like oh like people almost died we had a whole bunch of fun there were people in there they got trapped oh and he also has to say this dumb sentence or whatever <laughs> like they set it up to be like oh yeah i guess that's important yeah like weigh it against that part where people almost died like well, and, <laughs> and we also had fun and there were gangsters and time travel 
Yeah. Well, but even once they can get out of the holodeck, finally, I mean, Data's like, "Can I punch this guy?" And Picard's yeah, like, right. "Oh, Wayland still bleeds you <laughs> out of here." <laughs> yeah, Data, punch that dude, and then Does, we go. That's right. That's right. So he, he almost. Oh man, in my remembrance of this episode, I'm going to remember that Picard, when Data asked that question. Picard casts a glance over to Wayland, <laughs> bleeding out on the floor, and then says, Sure, Data, punch that guy. <laughs> we got that's a, effectively what he does. We got a little bit more time. It's fine. <laughs> no, yeah, no, we haven't been really worried about him at all. And then all. Data punches a guy, and Picard's like, Oh, and by the way, Carrie Wayland is a guy. <laughs> Thank you, bye. Or to the hallway where he could be teleported? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or theoretically, now that the door's open, they could beam him out. I mean, I. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, uh, don't don't waste the teleport. <laughs> Wayland's <laughs> not worth it. Money. Oh, I don't want to talk to O'Brien today. Just don't. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, that was the big goodbye. Unless we have anything else from the plot points before we get on to uh, to best and worst and and our recommendations. Um, well, there's one more thing about the bug people. <laughs> no, of I'm course, kidding, kidding. I'm of kidding, course I'm there is. Best and worst. <laughs> I was expecting you to tell us all more about your costume, but. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be that'll be for another podcast. Oh, I guarantee you that if I type into Google Harada cosplay, there's going to be something that pops up. Just guarantee keep, it. Just keep safe search like on. Screen. Is all I'm saying. Just I'm not. I'm not searching it. I'm not adding that. <laughs> so best and worst, um, Abby. Since you are our esteemed guest, uh, feel free to go first. What's your uh, What's your best thing of this episode? My best is this is it's the holodeck, you guys. It's the holodeck. Yeah. Yeah. Sold. It's here. It's they're gonna do stuff with it. There's gonna be plenty of stories that come out of this. It's and it's Dixon Hill, and it's it's the best. I love the holodeck so much, and it makes me so happy that we're finally to a point where it it exists in the universe. Yep, and, and it oh. exists in the way that we know it. You know yes. that, it, that it does quasi magical things. Like it doesn't just make a yep. bunch of trees and mats and three people who know kung fu. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you can go in and live in the book and all that jazz, which I think is why I like the holodeck so much, is because it it plays into my my ultimate fantasy of being able to walk into a book that I love. I well, think that's. <laughs> have you guys read the theory? Like, this is an actual like theory that someone proposed a while ago, and I, I I would have to look it up, but this it made the rounds on the internet for a while. But someone essentially asserted that if something like the holodeck uh, actually existed. Uh, mm-hmm. And was was reachable by Nothing the would ever-, ever be accomplished again. Exactly, people would <laughs> cease to live their everyday lives and probably die there inside of a simulation. Star Trek episode about that. <laughs> is it? Wait, which one? There is. It's um. Now I'm gonna forget his name completely, but he shows up a couple times. Oh, Barkley. Barkley and his holodeck Barclay. addiction. Mm, yeah. Oh, Barkley. There is an episode. That's true. That's true. They do talk. Yeah. I, I guess that's that's their effort to try to talk about. To dwell on dreams and forget to live. Sorry, I had to throw in my Harry Potter reference for the <laughs> There you go. Very nice. <laughs> um, I can't oh. wait for that season seven Harry Potter college. Yeah, right. Sort of mm. episode. What, awesome. a, what a fantastic crossover that was. Yeah. That would be amazing. Paul, what's your best for this episode? <laughs> uh, I, my best is is the weird, um, almost paradoxical fact that this is filler done really well. Um, that. And and also maybe even more than that that they had a lot of foresight here that they never let burden down the episode. Um, and we've talked. I think you've used the metaphor a lot of juggling a lot of balls at the same time here. Um, that they faltered with a bunch. 
And here, they're actually doing a lot. And we've touched on tons of it, right? It's, it's time travel-esque. Um, they get Data Jordy time in. They get West Jordy time in. West does crazy things. Data talks about Sherlock Holmes. There's Data-isms. Data reads all the books. Um, there's Crusher, like, acting, you know, <laughs> almost comically to some degree. There's Picard acting comically. Um, there's Riker sort of out of his element and frustrated. It's just there's so many things going on that they don't let any of them reach that level of B story, that they don't let any of it dominate uh, this this filler, <laughs> right? This fun time in the holodeck uh, that, I man, it must, it's been hard to put together, uh, all that in one episode. But you see a lot of seeds here that are going to germinate for a while throughout this series. Uh, and it's one of the first episodes, I think, that has so many weird seeds in it of things that you'll see later. Yeah. No, that, I mean, well said, because that's... Um, there. There's a lot here, and, and um, it's... A lot of it'll pop up, I mean, even years after. I was thinking, I think the last time we hear from Dixon Hill is... Um, Star Trek First Contact. There's a scene in Star Trek First Contact where they just run a simulation of, of Dixon Hill um, where they go in there to hide basically from the Borg. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then mm. turn off the safety protocols and kill some Borg. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're they're literally laying the groundwork for stuff that's going to last for, for the entire franchise. Yeah. Um, my best for this episode... Uh, it's hard to pick one because I actually did a lot of grinning during this episode because <laughs> because it is it's 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 a lot of fun. Um, but I think, uh, I mean, I, I think data in this episode <laughs> is really good. Like because they're it's really good. They they walk a fine line with data and sometimes they goof it up, especially in season one where they make him too much. Like they it's just it's it's too on the nose in terms of we get it he's an android but here he's just he's clearly like <laughs> his Pinocchioisms come through his um, <laughs> wanting to, to learn more about um, the human condition by way of just being there in the moment comes through I mean he finds out that the captain's into it that people are going to go there and he's like you know what I got to figure this out too I'm going to read all these books I'm going to check it out and, and I want to be there and he even, you know, gets into character towards the end uh, and, and starts talking, you know, 1940s-esque gangster. And, but he's still useful and he's still uh, a good character and keeps his wits about him. But he just takes it a little bit too far sometimes. Not way, way too far, but enough where you're like, he's okay, I get it. He's trying to figure it out. Like, no, my favorite moment, I think, in this episode is the bit where, you know, the, the newspapers or the, the Peter Lorre stand-in is, where were you hatched anyway? And he's like, <laughs> I was created on a planet. And Picard's like, Data! And he goes, South America. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, and the, the, the thing that works here, I think, is the Data... Um, Picard interaction that the Picard is the one who's always either yelling at him or casting looks to him and saying like it's eh, don't go quite a bit too far and then yeah. Data stops and says something like South America yeah <laughs> and it's great <laughs> it is yeah, so it's that Picard interaction yeah and, and that also to to your point Paul um, also is a thing that we'll see we'll see echoed throughout the series that um, for his mentorship in in humanity. Data, you know, really has a case study with Picard because he, he looks up to him. Um, so yeah, that's that's my best. Let's uh, get in the dirt a little bit. What are the what are the worsts of this episode, Abby? 
Well, I was originally going to say the B plot of the bug people because <laughs> I, but Paul really has changed my mind about this. Bug. So I, bug. I take it back, even though I do take issue with him calling this episode filler because I don't think mm. it is. I really don't think it is. Um, it is the only Star Trek episode to have won a Peabody. Okay. So really? this is, yes, this is, is not a filler episode. This is a well-respected episode. This is the red meat. Um, yeah. Um, but, uh. And I and I my argument for that is because there are so many seeds laid out in this episode for Star Trek in general that I, this can't be a filler episode for me. Um, no. Plus, I just love it. But I think I think now my bad is the holodeck science not being quite sorted yet. It's yeah. it's close. It's almost there. But there's still just a few things where I'm just like, eh, it just hurts a little when they say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you you um I I think that's the Star Trek fan and all of us crying out a little bit going like, eh, not yeah. how it works, nope. <laughs> no, no, nope. no it's, that, is, that is not, that is not how it works. Uh, <laughs> you see, the uh, the image <laughs> processors would break down immediately across the threshold to the holodeck because the photo imaging is not able to project itself beyond the four walls of the simulation. <laughs> uh, or something. I don't know, something exactly. like that. Yep. Exactly. Uh, Paul, what's your uh, what's your low spot for this episode? Wow, I mean, I, I have to follow that up. <laughs> <laughs> and go. <laughs> Waylon is my yeah. worst. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I hate Waylon so much. <laughs> well, I mean, I you, were, you were hashtag waiting for Waylon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's Burns' hashtag. I mean. I made it for you. I made it just, for you. <laughs> From the second that Picard is like, oh, hey, we have, like, don't we have a visit? It, it plays out like, oh, don't we have, like, a visiting scholar fiction expert or something? Well, <laughs> like, uh, okay, yes, thank you, because they call him two different things. He yeah. Picard originally refers to him as a, uh, an expert in 20th century histor history, and then he later refers to him as their resident fiction expert. And it's like, which one is it? Pick one. <laughs> He's not both. He can't be both. Well, he does, and neither one needs to be there. <laughs> right. But it's just they have so red shirt shoehorned. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and sure, somebody has to get shot. It's like, uh, just, uh, I don't know. I don't know how. I mean, part of me was kind of hoping, um, and this would add complexity, right? But the feeling is almost um, that he is himself a hologram, right? Wouldn't that be the awesome reveal at the end? That, like, he tries to leave and then he disappears? That would be an awesome <laughs> end of the episode. And then there's the big goodbye to Waylon. Like, <laughs> I think, I think. I don't know how that would work story-wise, but I, I, The well, silence was my that. brain trying to work out that Look, plot. It would be, yeah, it's like the doctor in Voyager or something like that, where he's just in there and then, you know. Because we never see him out of the holodeck, do we? Yeah, we see, we, before they go in. Uh, see, okay, you could they could meet him in there or something you could you could write that around it but <laughs> it would i wish Waylon was a projection in the holodeck that's all <laughs> the the Waylon to me smacked way too much of of um introducing a character who's not really a character yeah it's not to say that there's a ton of people who could have stepped in and filled this right like wharf wouldn't have really worked you already have data in there maybe jordy but he, then he's got to be outside not, troy wouldn't work like, <laughs> yeah, they're really—they had to have a red shirt. They really did. Yeah, but yeah. it's just 
Yeah, I wish they'd more, made him more likable or something. <laughs> oh, I didn't find him dislikable. Yeah. Unlike unlikable, that's he, a word. Even at the point, where, like he gets shot right after he he does the like weird voice and stuff, because uh, really hamming it up. It's like, well, okay, just make him a little more likable before you're going to shoot him. You know, there's two times in this episode when they clapped, and we talked about one, but the first time that it happens is right after Waylon gets <laughs> shot. <laughs> That's true, I forgot. They're all like, oh, ha ha, oh, yeah, Waylon, great. Oh, oh, oh God. Feels very Victorian, right? Like, oh, how, yeah. how, how amusing. <laughs> oh, Waylon. Huh. Um, I think my worst part of this episode... Um, my best and my worst are both characters uh, in this episode. And my worst is Riker. Um, Riker's Oop. kind of a pain in the ass in this episode. Um, he doesn't get to go play on the holodeck. Well, That's he why he's, he's mad. Yeah, I mean, there's that. But, I mean, also, <laughs> at the point when he's having the conversation with um, Jordy and with, uh, w- uh, with um, Crusher, uh, I-, I mean, he's... He's so impatient. He's like the uptight supervisor at that point. Like, he's just like, just get it fixed. And I'm like, you know, (laughs) you're not helping in this situation. (laughs) Like, they are, they just laid out what the problem is, what they're doing to fix it. He's like, just get it fixed. That's like, uh, I mean, he has a lot of moments like that in this episode. And I think it's indicative to the problems that they have with Riker in season one, where he's, they haven't yet kind of given him the the heart and soul approach that he eventually gets where he's you know he's got a good sense of humor that he's a little bit light about stuff that Picard gets to cheat a little bit more towards you know being the authoritarian and being the captain and the voice of authority and Riker you know they so much so that they even kind of spell it out in in later episodes where they specifically say his strength in command is that he builds he makes people comfortable he builds relationships with people through humor, and he earns their trust that way. And in this episode, he's just kind of a jerk. <laughs> I mean, it's he, all the beard, man. Until he gets the beard, <laughs> he's then not. Everything goes smoothly. Exactly. He's not even Riker to me at this point. It's he's like not. I, it's I can't, true. I can't even look at him, and you're like, yeah. I couldn't relate to him. He doesn't have a beard. Yeah. <laughs> he's not. He's not the Riker we all know. So and love. clean cut. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's disturbing. Commander Babyface. Because uh, <laughs> they uh, that's that's a callback to a, I think a season seven episode, so we'll we'll get there. But that's that's my worst. So I guess finally, when we pass ultimate judgment on this episode, you know, one of the missions of this podcast is to create a watch list to really say this episode is something that someone should watch if they're new to Trek, or no, you're better off skipping it and coming back later when you're more brave or have more time or or both. Uh, where do we fall on this one, uh, Abby? What do you what do you think? Oh, I think this is this. You have to watch this episode. You have to. It's the holodeck. It's Dixon Hill. It sets up so much character-related material. You you have to watch this episode. Yeah, I think I think we might all be unanimous in this one, Paul. I I mean, what do you what do you think? Well, so going back to the uh, when we originally did this without without watching, just gut feeling, I had said skip on this one. Um, yeah, that's and. Right. And looking back at this one from memory, I, I think we all sort of touched on this. Or maybe, maybe it was just one of you. It might have been you, Jason. Touched on the fact that this watched a lot differently than I remembered. Mm-hmm. Um, that, frankly, I remembered this having a lot more detective work in it. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. I mean, for a private investigator, he does <laughs> pretty much doesn't do no much. detecting. Yeah, and the only the only client he gets dies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Immediately, <laughs> and she and, takes his card, even though yeah. she knows where he works. Yep. And and there's also um, he expresses like that's when that's when Waylon says the line that you hate, but Picard's like, oh yeah, I guess somebody was saying they were they were gonna try to kill her. It's like, <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, good one there, Dick. Picard's like, someone is dead. He's like, just words on a page. <laughs> she never had a soul. <laughs> uh, but I also think that um, I, anyway, and and I. I think I've been getting some good pushback from Abby here of whether or not this is filler. Um, because to me, <laughs> I I think, I, I mean, I didn't write it down, but this almost felt to me like perfect filler. Um, and I think I said the term paradoxical filler of, of like a filler episode is one of those where it's like, it's lighthearted. It's fun. It's, it's outside of the arc that has been building. It's outside of the seriousness. Um, but but I guess at the heart of it, it is an episode that you could skip, right? That's what filler is really supposed to be. And I think we have talked ourselves to the point where there's just a lot here that really does build to later points um, and does explain a holodeck, does explain a lot of these relationships, um, does explain the bug people, which are going to be a really important recurring race. <laughs> That's season five. Um, bug yeah, exactly. When they show up in Voyager, it's mm-hmm. like, how did you get to the Delta Quadrant? Mm-hmm. It's like, man. They're everywhere. Um, so I, I guess I, I guess I'm really at a point where it either is filler, it's but it's not. the kind of filler. <laughs> it, it, if it is filler, it's the kind of filler that's really um, deserving to be watched, right? It, it's a good break from some of this other stuff. Um, but on the other side, maybe this isn't filler. Maybe this is just that true trackiness of it is. what would happen in the future if we had a holodeck. And, and, and I guess, I mean, you are making a really good point that this is what that would be. That um, sure, there's going to be days on the Enterprise where you know Picard doesn't want to do his job, so he goes to the holodeck. And that is technology, and that is sci-fi. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm saying watch. I guess either way, but mm-hmm. this is an interesting one. Yeah, I, I think I would agree that uh, with Abby that <clears throat> to call this episode filler does it a bit of a disservice. I think I think if I'm understanding and if I'm going to mediate your two points, I think <laughs> uh, I think I think I'm giving it to Abby. It's not filler. It's not. Yeah. Well, I think right. it was I think it was written kind of that way though. Like I think yeah. it was written and approached on paper, on paper. This is filler. Maybe that's the way to think about it. Right. I will allow it. Okay, nice. Good. Okay. <laughs> um, but I think sometimes the the material or the, the final product sort of transcends the, the pieces, um, you know, on paper, and it becomes something, you know, a little bit more special. I don't think when people were putting this episode together, they, they thought that they were, you know, really making some some changes to the universe, that they were really putting some things in motion that would that would stick but they kind of did, um, and that's what I think good ideas do, and I think that's what good episodes do, and that's why I think we're saying thumbs up on this one that that this should be part of the part of the Trek watch list. At this point, it looks like our total list up to this point is, and Paul, correct me if I'm, I'm missing one, but that gives us Encounter at Farpoint, the pilot, uh, the Last Outpost. Did we say we actually that you need to watch that one? I don't think so. <laughs> Uh, I know we have, I know we have the battle, and I know we have uh, 
Where no one has gone before. Where no yeah. one has gone before in there. The decided hide and queue was watchable just for the queue elements, right? Uh-huh. And uh, so that gives us the the big goodbye to this. So the... yeah, we're more more or less hitting fifty percent at this point, right? Yep. <laughs> Which is about par for course for a season for one. Season exactly. To be honest. Yeah. Yep. So this is, but this one I think is one of the rare season one episodes. This one right into the very next episode that we'll talk about uh, next week. Um, I think without giving too much away, I think that one is also uh, just a necessity. Um, so we're starting to see, I, I think, a shift in terms of how, how these episodes are written. We're going to hit some clunkers there in the middle. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. There'll be, but the, the season will end pretty strong with season one. Um, so you'll kind of see the, the series sort of come into a little bit of cohesion internally. And I think this is, these last few episodes have been a little bit of, of a taste of that. So um, hopefully you've enjoyed our discussion of this. Abby, uh, hopefully you've enjoyed uh, joining us once again. <laughs> Uh, I have. It's been great having you. Um, until next time, I'm Jason. And I'm Paul. And uh, we'll see you next time. I guess for now, it's time for our big goodbye. You're on the holodeck right now. <laughs> <laughs> Safety protocols are not functioning. I got to get out of here. Tell me something, Dix. When you're gone, will this world still exist? Will my wife and kids still be waiting for me at home? I honestly don't know. Goodbye, my friend. <laughs>